How to give a presentation to the Imperial Court while accidentally committing light treason by making a friend. From Civil Wars, Whistleblower Tactics, Schematic Drafting, and the Finer Points of Sith Adoption, The Essential How-To Guide for the Engineering Jedi, by Jack Daw read by Sam Gabriel, based on the works of George Lucas. Chapter 7 And Shared Secrets Round the Fire Luke groaned as he flopped over on his bed, the comforter and pillows fluffing up around him. Sons, he was tired. Even with all the time opened up in his schedule, there was still plenty to do and plenty to discuss, which meant, to his eternal delight, meetings. Sons and sand, he was beginning to suspect that the reason no one ever improved anything in the Empire was because they were avoiding the bureaucratic hell Luke had unwittingly waltzed into. Lying face down on his obscenely large bed, he could fit six of him in here, and while it was soft, fluffy heaven to sleep in who needed a bed this large. In his equally large set of rooms, Luke seriously contemplated whether or not it'd be worth it to fake his death and just let everyone believe it was the mouse droids who'd come up with any future inventions. He concluded sadly that the answer was probably not, if for no other reason than that he'd miss the people aboard the Lady, and some of them would probably miss him too which meant he had to eventually get up from his bed and go to another meeting this evening. At least he still had a few hours between to just hang for a bit. He should probably slip out of his dress uniform and into one of his overalls first, though. Flipping himself over, he idly kicked off his boots and told himself to get up no matter how comfy he was feeling right now. He didn't get up. He probably should. But he didn't. He should, though. But the bed was really comfortable. But Aunt Brew wouldn't approve of him wrinkling his nice clothes any more than necessary. Grumbling under his breath, Luke got up and unclasped his capelet while heading over to the closet to fish out one of his overalls and a fresh t-shirt. Shrugging off the rest of his uniform, he hung it all in the clothes scrubber, punched in the cove of the head engineer's dress uniform, and set the whole thing to the deep-cleaning and pressing setting, because sons, he might as well. He had three of the things hanging in his closet at the moment. It's not like it was wasted time. Throwing on a clean shirt, he tied off the upper part of his overall around his waist, as was becoming custom for him. They're much better. Now he could flop down on a pile of fluff and comfort the proper way. Which he promptly did, lying flat on his back as he looked up at the strange crystal and cupola ceiling that made up half of the roof of his bedroom. Daylight fractured and reflected off of its facets, casting colorful patches across the room. It hadn't done that the day he'd arrived, but he'd made quick work of sorting through the control pad that controlled the opacity and such of the crystals. And, well, he did think that the current imperial design incorporated far too little color in itself. He hummed in satisfaction to himself as he recalled the few dozens of lines in code that it had taken to make the crystals behave this way. All in all, he could firmly say it was worth it. Tracing the colorful patches across the room, Luke felt the exhaustion of yesterday evening and frankly the whole circus of the last few days, dragging his body deeper down into the soft comfort of the pillows and the blankets. True, today had been a much more relaxed affair thanks to Vader figuring out what had been overstuffing his agenda, but he was still dead tired. Though the extra time had allowed him to finally take a stroll through the royal gardens he'd seen earlier. The sheer green and life of the place had been almost overwhelming, buzzing through his mind and leaving him exhilarated and breathless. He was pretty sure that the clones had gotten more than one laugh at his expense, as he nearly made himself dizzy trying to look at everything at once, but it was so worth it. He'd have to remember to send the hollows he'd taken to his aunt and uncle the next time he sent credits home. There'd been a few shops that sold a variety of the plants growing in the garden as well, 
but since Luke hadn't had the first clue on what it took to keep one alive besides enough water to pay three weeks' worth of hunt taxes, he'd reluctantly passed up on getting a few, this time. He vowed to learn how to do so before the next opportunity came to acquire some green for his quarters on the lady. With his mind of the sights and sounds of life and his eyes tracing the colors within his room, he slowly nodded off, warmth and comfort and color all around him. He slept soundly. Beep. Until his datapad had to insist on being a spoilsport, of course. Beep, came the almost satisfied repeat. Beep. 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 Rolling himself over with a vicious growl, he grabbed the offending device only to blink in surprise at the chronometer, 2.50 in the afternoon. He'd apparently dozed off longer than he'd thought. Flopping back down on the bed, he searched his sleep-fuzzed mind for why he'd set an alarm again. Something, something, appointment, appointment, appointment. Zev. Luke shot up as he checked the chrono again. 2.55, five minutes until Zev could show up at the door. And while the clones knew to expect him, Vader's words from last night once more echoed through his head. Aside from generally trusting that Vader knew what he was talking about, he suspected that the men who'd led these men for longer than Luke had been alive probably knew a thing or two more than he did about their potential reactions. Boosting himself off the bed into a running start with a jump, he ran a hand through his messy hair as he grabbed his work boots and yanked them on. Darting into the fresher to check the mirror for a moment, he saw that while his hair was definitely messy and must, it was far from bird's nest chic. Probably good enough to show his face to Zev, right? If the guy really had been as avid a watcher of scrap hunting as he said he was, he'd seen Luke in much worse states of dress than this. And sons, wasn't that a strange notion? Other people in the galaxy beyond Tatooine actually knew his name and face. He'd known that, of course, but it was one thing to know and another to understand. He seemed like the kind of guy not to mind someone's clothes too much, unlike some of the people he'd met over the last few days. Or Luke had really misjudged him at the party. Well, probably too late to change, anyway. A knock on the door told Luke that his moment was up, and he put it out of his mind. Striding over to the door, he hit the open switch. Yeah? He asked Cody on the other side as it slid open. Sorry to disturb you, sir, but the guy you said would be here has arrived, said man informed him with a quick salute. Yep, definitely too late to change. Perfect. He could do with a few hours out of the stuffy, if snazzy, uniform. Thanks, Cody, he told the man sincerely as he slipped by him, heading towards the stairs. He could already hear the other clones grilling the poor guy downstairs. He got to the balustrade circle in the living room, just in time to see Boomer, Volt, Hex, Kix, Slice, and Oppo surrounding Zev in a loose half-circle, all armored up way beyond what was necessary in the suite, and clearly done for intimidation purposes. Hey! he called out as he got to the railing, drawing all eyes to him. Knock it off, you guys, he said with a shooing motion. He's here an invitation. We know, sir, Slice replied as Luke came down the stairs. We're just making sure he knew the house rules before he did anything funny. He turned towards Zev and Luke caught the tail edge of a smile with far too many teeth to be friendly. Ain't that right, sir? Zev shot the man a look back that was clearly equal parts intimidated and suppressed sass. Something didn't feel that way, he shot back. Good, Ipo chipped in. Then you've gotten the message. He turned towards Luke Foley and snapped off a quick salute. We checked the visitor over, sir. He's clear. Oh boy, it was going to be like that, huh? He sighed. At ease, everyone, he ordered the clones as he maneuvered himself between them and Zev. Zev just here to continue a discussion we started yesterday, nothing more. Volt shot a dubious look at Zev, but relaxed as instructed with the other clones mostly following suit. If you say so, sir. I do say so, he shot back. Now can you all please calm down? And sons, get out of those armor suits. He's a guest, not a bounty hunter. 
He paused as he said that before glancing at Zev for a second. You're not, right? He asked, only half joking. Zev blinked at him before cracking a wide grin. Nah, he replied, crossing his arms over his chest and shifting his weight to one leg. You're too much trouble. I leave it to the professionals. <laughs> Truth. Well then. There you have it, he said to the clones while shooing them off his guest. And he had guests now, and Baru would be so proud, subtly gesturing them the all-clear signal they'd taught him. He's not a threat. Now please stop harassing him. I'm going to get you anything to drink, he asked, directing the last bit towards Zev. Zev, who was rapidly glancing between him and the clones with a strange look on his face before the question registered, Uh, yeah, what have you got that isn't alcohol? Water? Too sweet, please. Luke took the excuse to grab him by the sleeve and subtly steer him away from the clones towards the kitchen. I wasn't exactly the one to stock up the cooler, he said while shooting him a meaningful look. So unless you want to chance it or have something specific in mind, you best come check yourself. Please let him catch on. Zev was a quick one, thankfully, and only shot Luke one dubious look before a flash of comprehension dawned on his face. Probably, yeah, he agreed quickly. If the clones knew what he was doing, and they likely did, Luke knew he wasn't exactly veteran material, even as an ex-runner, and these guys probably knew all the tricks in the book. They didn't let on. And he got Zev to the counter without any more house rule assertions, or whatever the clones had called it. They'd probably be listening in at the door as soon as they were out of sight, though. Cracking open the cooler, Luke began reading off the labels while letting Zev read along over his shoulder. Sorry about that, he apologized. Like I said, they can get a tad overprotective. Zev snorted. You're unnoticed, he remarked dryly before adding an amusing tone. You really are something special to them, aren't you? He shot the other man a quick glance, but getting only honest curiosity from him, he shrugged as he turned back to find something to drink. Noticed that, huh? he asked rhetorically, getting an affirmative hum back in reply. And, yeah, I suppose so, he admitted softly as he rubbed the back of his neck. We've got an understanding, them and I. They want to protect me. I want to help them. It's mutually beneficial. It's more than that, though, Zev said absently as he found what he was looking for, snatching a soda can from the bottom shelf. Even I can see that. There's a devotion there. And something more. He trailed off as he caught Luke's eye before glancing away, embarrassed. Sorry, he muttered. It's probably not my place. Bit too soon for that. Luke agreed as he fished out a can of familiar lemonade himself. But I can't exactly expect you to just not see, now can I? He returned. It's fine, Zev, he reassured as the older teen, young man, really, gave him an apologetic look. You didn't overstep or anything, but it's not... He sighed. It's not something I would really know how to explain to an outsider. It, it's something mostly experience and little explanation, get me? Got you, Zev nodded before shooting him a grin. It's not what we were going to talk about anyway, now was it? Luke flashed him a grin back as he closed the cooler, leaning back against the marble countertop of the kitchen. Right. He cracked open his own can of soda. Now, do we start from where we left off, or do you want to ask something else first? Last I checked, you'd ask me how I can work for the Empire while disagreeing with pretty much everything about them ever, right? Zev pointed at him with his soda can. You said it, Luke, not me. He cracked it open and took a swig. But yeah, pretty much. I also remember you saying something about how you weren't surprised about that question coming from a core worlder, right? What do you mean by that? Luke shrugged. Exactly that, he said bluntly. That it's an opinion that I mostly hear from the core. It's just not viable to hold it anywhere else. You're going to have to explain that one to me, Zev said as his eyes narrowed. What's wrong with not wanting to work for a system that upholds slavery? Nothing, Luke said as he swirled around the lemonade in his can. It's great that people can choose that, so would I if I had the option? He drank down a mouthful of sticky sweet lemonade. 
but I don't. <laughs> Neither does anyone else on Tatooine or similar hot planets. Zeb blinked owlishly at him. How come? Luke snorted at the wide-eyed look in his friend's face, grinning bitterly at him. I'm not surprised you don't know. It's not like it's the kind of information you just find in the net. You either have to live it or know where to look. But there's no option in just not working within a slave system when you're talking about the huts or the places that are theirs. They control everything, from income to housing to food to the laws, and most critically, water. If you live on Tatooine, slave or not, you're subject to the huts and the masters, no way around it. Or, well, he grinned even wider, gesturing towards the suite around them, a few ways around it. He downed the last of his drink and threw the can into the trash chute. Tell you what, he said to Zav as he crossed his arms. You never job or thing you can do, and I'll tell you if and how it's controlled by the huts. Zev nodded as he tapped his fingers against his own drink. Farmer, he began, shooting Luke a knowing look. Right, he probably knew about his aunt and uncle. Well, it was as good a place as any to start. Couple of ways they can get you, he said idly. First, you could fail to pay their taxes, really just a protection racket, and if you do, you get taken as a slave to pay off your debt and sold, probably far from where you lived. He shrugged at the horrified look Zev shot him. It's their main way of getting new slaves semi-legally, but really no one can protest it, so they just do what they want. If they see someone on one of the farms they really want, they'll often just increase the tax with little or no warning and get them that way. There were a few close shaves when I first hit puberty, he admitted softly. Luckily, by then I'd already begun tinkering with mechanics, so we could just scrape by with the extra credits it brought in, but it was touch and go a bit for those first few years. Fucking hell. Zev cursed softly. Pretty much, Luke agreed. Then there's of course the fact that if you manage to avoid that, you still have to sell your harvest, and the entire market is hut-controlled as well. I do mean the entire market. That goes for the equipment needed to farm as well. Vaporators, for example, are either ramshackle things sold by the huts or higher quality, brought in from off-world. You still have to pay the import tariffs on them if you get the latter, of course, and by the time you've paid those prices, the cost might have quintupled or septupled. So you both sell to and buy from them, and pretty much only them. It's a vicious cycle that only feeds the masters better the more you struggle against it. Zev swallowed and nodded. Innkeeper, he said hoarsely. Same deal with the protection rackets as before, Luke countered swiftly. Oh, and also the only clients actually worth your time are the ones that directly work for the masters or the masters themselves, because they're usually the only ones with any decent amount of credits to spend. Writer. Dangerous work, Luke shivered, and likely not even worth your time. Half the people on Tatooine can't even read, and most of the other half either don't have much to pay you or it's far enough in league with the huts that they're only interested in reading stuff that parrots the greatness of the whole situation or nothing at all. You either fall into lockstep with what they tell you to write or you risk not only not making a living but disappearing as well. And even if you do search for off-world patrons, most aren't interested in the stories written on the Outer Rim, and the Holonet is still the Holonet, the Empire's always watching. Taylor? To whom? Luke countered. Everyone makes their clothes themselves, and those that don't are either the masters or working for them. The same goes for pretty much anyone who makes anything. You either sell to people just as trapped as you are, or you sell to the masters. Zev sighed deeply as he chucked his soda can into the trash as well. I take it anything in administration, finances, taking stock and such, is out to? Yep, Luke confirmed. You either do it yourself, or you work for the hunts. Zeb finished tiredly. Luke grinned. Well, now you're getting the hang of it, but yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. You either work directly for them or you work for yourself, but are in practice still beholden to them. It's just the way it works on Halloween. 
Even if you're the decent sort who has nothing to do with the slavers and slavery, it's still almost impossible to escape. You said almost, Sev quickly pointed out. I did, Luke agreed. And there are a couple of ways, but none of them are pretty, and roughly speaking, only one or two have any real guarantee of success. The thing is, corporations have no interest in tattling beyond what's mined from it, and everything from the mid-rim in forgets we exist for most of the time, so everything legal on Tatooine is controlled by either the Huts or the Empire. Most of everything illegal is controlled by the Huts too, but there are a few loopholes. He began ticking them off in his fingers. One is to start something outside of their sphere of influence, which is basically just asking for trouble, but hey, he shrugged, some people thrive on it. Another is to barter passage on a ship that'll turn a blind eye to the Huts' policy of needing a visa and paperwork, to even leave the planet or stow away entirely. There's also joining a crew, none too fussed with legalities. Oh, and the glare that got him from Zev, he grinned wildly. But as you can imagine, that's not exactly guaranteeing yourself a long and happy life. So basically, what you're telling me is that the only way out from one of the huts is to become a criminal? Zev countered tersely. Doesn't sound all that much better to me? Luke pursed his lips as he frowned. I'd like you to remember that it's the huts that write the law on Tatooine, Zev, he replied voice hard and serious. When the unjust write the laws and make justice illegal, all you have left are your own morals and actions. I see, Zeb muttered quietly. No, you don't, Luke countered easily. Not yet. But you're already seeing more than when we started this conversation, and that's a good place to start. And it's not like you're entirely wrong. Many people on Tatooine would like to choose something else than to have to turn towards illegal activities to survive, but sometimes in making the choice between being lawful and being free, you have to risk it all. He tapped a finger against his arm, scars underneath tingling with remembered pain. Sometimes, he said slowly, it's better to die a criminal than to live a slave. He heard Zev swallow hard. It sounds like... Tatooine makes hardened people out of her children, he said carefully. Luke shrugged in agreement. It's the way of the desert, he said, repeating the ancient words his aunt had taught him. She doesn't forgive, she doesn't forget, and her temper is to be feared. The lessons she teaches aren't of kindness or comfort, that's for family to teach. But if you learn quick and want to know how to survive, you'll find no better teacher. They lapsed into silence after that. Zev clearly processing what he'd learned in the minefield he'd unwittedly stepped into. That was fine. Luke knew that core worlders often had to take a few moments to get used to the harshness of Tatooine and the Outer Rim. And Zev seemed like he was doing well enough as he breathed in deeply and let out a sigh. Okay, okay, he said slowly. Correct me if I got this wrong, but in essence, on Tatooine, the choice is either to submit to hot rule or to be a criminal, correct? Pretty much. Luke confirmed, smiling at his friend. Though there is one last path available, and that's usually the one chosen by most people who can do neither. Zev held up a hand as he pinched the bridge of his nose. Why do you think I've got this one? Since every choice seems to be varying degrees of awful, and since you're here... He sighed deeply. It's the Empire, isn't it? Bingo! Luke clapped his hands together in a show of false cheer. Give the man a prize. Zev glared darkly at him but the effect was mostly ruined by the fact that he couldn't stop his mouth from twitching into a smile. Sobering up, he nodded again. Yeah, that's basically it. If you can't bring yourself to work for the Masters and don't want to get on the wrong side of the law, unjust though it is, your best bet is to enlist in the Imperial Academy, serve your time, and then go on to use your skills to find a job elsewhere. If you survive, that is, but then 
that's basically the caveat for everything on Tatooine up to and including breathing. Zev shot him a look that clearly read calling your bullshit with a very well-executed, unimpressed eyebrow raise that Baru would be proud of, and he gave back a dazzling, unrepentant grin. Sandstorms and dust fever, he clarified, causing Zev's eyes to widen before settling into something of resigned exasperation. Zev groaned as he rubbed his brow. Okay, he said at long last. I can see where you're coming from, I think. Hells, I knew things were bad, but... Don't you feel like there's something that has to be done about all this? He asked, a pleading edge in his tone. You said it yourself. Even those that are not slaves on Tatooine are basically only one step away from that at all times, or the ones doing the enslaving. Don't you think that has to change? Of course I do, Luke shot back, a shade of offense in his tone. But you don't seem to understand. Working for the Empire is me fighting back. How? Seb demanded. How can working for the very people who made this a reality be fighting back? Luke groaned in irritation. Corwalders. The world seemed to miss so many colors in their eyes, black and white, all the way down. Okay, picture this, he tried. My aunt and uncle are moisture farmers, but you like we knew that already, right? He waited for Zev's nod before continuing. Right, so, on the farm we had before my departure... Three evaporators, which usually harvested just enough water every week to both pay our taxes and keep us on the farm going. Tools and clothes and everything else came from saving up or from whatever was left over after that. It's tough living, and that was what my family managed to scrape together after three generations. The homestead was built by my uncle's grandfather, and this is what we had to show for it three generations later. We were barely scraping by. He gave those words some time to sink in with Seb before he continued. That's the main way of gaining wealth, and with wealth, freedom— on Tatooine, you build it over generations, and maybe your grandchildren will never know the fears you did. Do you understand, Zev? I, I do, Zev said with a sigh. But what does that have to do with you getting a... He cut himself off. Oh. He nodded. Seems like you got it, Zev. Since I've started working as the head engineer on the lady, my uncle's been able to double that number and is looking for a seventh... Not even the junk scrap, the hot cell that barely runs and I had to fix every few days. No, he's been able to buy the proper models from off-world, denying the hots at least those credits. In a little over half a year, me working for the Empire has managed to double the assets that had taken my ancestors three generations to build up. There are no danger of ever missing their taxes again, even if I were to stop sending credits home for some reason. Luke breathed out an elated breath as the full reality of what he'd managed for his family became that much more real with every word he spoke. House, he said with a grin. If they wanted to, there's now even room for me to gain a cousin. And sons, wouldn't that just be the greatest achievement of them all? His aunt and uncle might yet still be the first generation in the Lars and Skywalker family who could afford to raise a second child. If they wanted to, that was, but the sheer fact that the possibility was there now brought a giddy grin to his face. And that's not all, he continued. With the credits left over, they've been able to support more of the people and employments you mentioned earlier with credits that aren't controlled by the huts. Sons and sand, they can now also use it to free my to free other slaves, whose freedom really can't come any other way than through purchase. He breathed deeply as he smiled at Zev. Zev was giving him a thoughtful look, and whose eyes were a bit more understanding. So yeah, he continued. You're absolutely right. I agree that a lot of what the Empire is doing is wrong, but I disagree that that view is incompatible with me working for them, even when I'm also fighting against slavery, because every credit I send home 
is a credit that's not controlled by the Huts and is actively working to undermine the entire system of control they've set up. He shrugged with a sheepish grin. Maybe it's not as flashy as what I was doing earlier, but there's more runners on Tatooine than there are people to bring in funds, especially with the amount I can send home every month. And a fight, any fight, but especially one against the Huts, takes a lot of resources first and foremost. So, yeah, he finished lamely with a sheepish grin as he flapped his hands against his side. That's my reasoning on what I'm doing and why. I know it's probably not exactly what you expect or even want to hear, but, well, it's what I have he said as he stuffed his hands into his overalls' pockets. Silence stretched out in the kitchen, Zev looking down at the ground with his hand covering his mouth and chin in a thoughtful gesture, deep in thought. All right, Luke could understand that. He'd likely either given the man a lot to think about or put him in a very difficult situation to bow out of and say, agree to disagree. It wouldn't be the first time a Cornwalder and he had different worldviews that were difficult to reconcile. Even if this was the first time he had to explain himself face to face instead of over the net. At last, Zev pulled open his mouth. That's. he huffed with a defeated grin. I don't know what else to say. Other than that, that was a lot, and well. that I don't know what to say to that. He looked at Luke. You weren't kidding when you said you were going to talk my ear off. Nope, Luke agreed happily. Still, did it answer your question? Partly, Zev said. And I've got even more questions now than before. He chewed the inside of his cheek while glancing at Luke. Don't suppose I can ask a few more? I mean, he hastily added, I'd like to know more before, well, before committing to any which way I think about all this. Reasonable enough? Well, let's see, he responded as he pulled out his data pad and glanced at the chrono. Huh. That explanation had taken less time than he thought. Looks like we've still got a good chunk of time left, he informed Zev as he tucked the pan away again, so fire away. And something in that sentence must have really caught Zev roundly off guard, Luke thought. Or he wouldn't be looking like a startled jackrab right now. I... <clears throat> he managed to bring out. People don't usually agree to that, he muttered. No? Luke raised an eyebrow. Well, how's anyone supposed to learn from each other, then? They're not, Zev shot back, grinning, and yeah, that made sense. But anyway, you mentioned something about runners and doing something else before all this. Ah, oh, fuck. Maybe not that particular bit, he hastily added it. it uh, let's just say that if you said that word back home in earshot of a slaver or hut enforcer, it could get me in a right shit ton of trouble. Oh? Zev's eyes lit up, his face shifting into a grin that Luke recognized all too well from whenever he and Biggs had gone on an adventure, and one that spelled trouble. Even more trouble than you could have gotten into admitting you tried to slice into the servers of the Quat Drive Yards, right where everyone in the galaxy with a holonet connection could see. He rubbed the back of his neck. Considering that this could have gotten both me and my family either summarily executed or enslaved by the Huts, yeah, a bit more than that. He hadn't been sure that Zev would have understood the implications in that, but as the man's face hardened, he was beginning to suspect that Zev knew better than he let on. I see, he muttered. That bad or, well, good, I suppose, huh? Yeah, pretty much, he agreed as Zev chewed his cheek. And I don't suppose you'd be willing to tell me if I promised not to tell, he said, half-joking, half-resigned to moving on with the subject. 
Luke leant back against the countertop as he crossed his arms, scrutinizing Zev a bit closer than was perhaps perfectly polite, but he'd always had a nose for the truth. Even Biggs, for as long as he'd known him and for as much as they'd done together, had never been able to hide a lie from him. "'Depends,' he drawled slowly, listening closer to the indefinable airs around him than the actual words that were about to be spoken. "'I have a pretty good idea of when someone's being honest. So if you're willing to swear on secrecy and mean it, I might be willing to say a couple of things in turn.' Zav shot him an odd but considering look. "'You're willing to put stock in just my word on this?' He shrugged. "'If you mean it, sure, why not?' It's as binding as anything. If you don't, then no, I'm not. Tilting his head as Zev narrowed his eyes, you're awfully confident that you'll be able to tell if I'm lying or not, aren't you? Would be dead if I couldn't, he shot back, suddenly feeling highly conscious of the scars that were tingling where his crossed arms were pressing into them. Fair enough, Zev agreed. All right, then who am I swearing to keep this a secret from? Anyone you wouldn't trust if you had to put yourself on the line, he replied. I don't necessarily think that the Huts would attempt to get me while I'm employed by the Empire, but there's a number of other things that could be done with this info, not the least of which is target my aunt and uncle back home. Something I think you know all too well. Luke didn't even have to elaborate on what he meant. He could already see that Zeph had heard the unspoken words that hung between the two of them, Compnor being one of them, re-education, motivation, and blackmail being another few. How about a trade, then? Zeph suggested trying to sound confident, but Luke could feel the vulnerability in that statement wrapping around him like a blanket. You're not the only one with a few things to hide. Might give more weight to my word, huh? Luke blinked. Now is overly trusting, he asked with a smile. Never said that you were, Sev threw back, flushing lightly in embarrassment, the air thick with it. But you thought it, Luke countered, grinning as he relaxed into his lean, which earned him a half-hearted glare and a shrug. What can I say? Zev said as he mirrored Luke's pose. You're easy to trust. He snorted out a laugh. That's and he could already tell Zev was someone whose curiosity tracked information like a hunting crate when roused. Heard that one before, but fair enough, I'll agree to a trade. He pushed off of the countertop. First things first, though, he said to Zev as he slipped by him, holding up a hand to forestall any questions. Before we go about giving each other plenty of blackmail ammo, I need to know if you guys are also joining in on the sharing. He called out, the last part especially loudly towards the kitchen door. Hmm? Fode, what'll it be? Wait, Zev interrupted. They were listening in the whole... Whatever he wanted to say got interrupted as the expected ruckus of shuffling, cursing, and scrambling came from behind the door. The huddle of clones presumably hurried to untangle themselves and dissipate from their incriminating positions. Not that Luke gave them the time to do so as he swiftly hit the control panel, the double doors sliding open soundlessly to reveal the expected scene. Volt, Slice, Boomer, and Kicks froze like Jackrab in the headlights of a speeder, Slice freezing while still hauling Boomer up to his feet. Silently, Luke set his hands on his hips and gave each of the clones a look that would do Aunt Beru proud. Staring them down, the silence stretched out into a stalemate that would verge on the uncomfortable if it wasn't for the fact that Luke simply refused to be embarrassed over catching a couple of eavesdroppers. At least this time it wasn't just before a flight, and he wouldn't have to shoot anyone to keep the secrecy. Probably. The silence dragged out as the clones remained frozen until Boomer saluted from where he was still hanging in Slice's grip. Hey, sir, he greeted with a beaming grin that was surprisingly genuine and shameless. Fancy meeting you like this. Luke simply raised an eyebrow at the man, but before he could say anything, 
Hex piped up from over on the couch. I told them it was a bad idea, sir, he said, swiping at something on his helipad. So did the commanders. Snitch, Boomer growled under his breath. Can't hear you from over here, trouble. Hex fired back, not even looking up from his pad. You know, on the couch, not getting caught eavesdropping on the garam. Boomer looked ready to retort with something equally childish, but Luke had little will to summon the patience for sitting out another catfight between Boomer and Hex. Enough, he interrupted tersely, making sure to project his voice in the way that made even Uncle Owen listen under the right circumstances, half will, half confidence. Something he was pleased to see made every clone in the room blanch before turning their attention to him. I don't exactly care who did or didn't agree to eavesdrop on Zev and Mine's conversation. What I do care about is that we're about to discuss something we're both going to swear secrecy over, and I don't want any outside parties privy to the information exchanged after that. Either make the vow as well or stay out, clear? Crystal. And until now silent, Commander Apo agreed. Rotman? Yes, sir. Truth. Good. They'd have their secrecy. He turned back towards the kitchen, where Zev was staring at him with wide eyes, surprise written in every line of his face. What? he asked with a teasing grin. I told him I knew a thing or two about staying alive. Zev stared at him for a moment longer, before closing his eyes and huffing out a short laugh. So you did. He opened his eyes again to give Luke a piercing look. Did you know they were eavesdropping the entire time? He shrugged. I strongly suspected it. He glanced back over his shoulder where the clones were slowly backing away from the door. Very strongly. At least Volt and Slice had the decency to look sheepish. Kix rather looked like the medic disapproved of the very idea that he'd have to let Luke go into something potentially dangerous without him there to supervise, for any potential injury. Boomer, meanwhile, just looked entirely unrepentant with a toothy grin on his face stretching ear to ear. Rolling his eyes, Luke spun around as he reached for the control panel, jabbing his finger at the clones. He warned them off one last time. Don't test me. Before hitting the panel and having the doors slide shut once more. He signed out of breath as he yanked a hand through his hair. Well, at least this eavesdropping hadn't ended in a life-or-death brawl, as so many others had before. That, Zeb's voice said from behind him, was epic. He turns to face the other man, copying the other man's smirk. Something you learn quickly on Tatooine in the circles I ran in, he said by way of explanation. Secrecy and how to keep it. That was more than just knowing how to keep a secret, though, Zev argued. You knew they were eavesdropping, and don't give me any of that I had a strong suspicion shit. You knew, he insisted, and, well, it was hard to argue with that. I did, he confirmed with a shrug. But that is what was necessary to learn to keep this particular secret, Zev. It wouldn't be the first time I intercepted an eavesdropper. He rubbed a hand along the back of his neck as his scars tingled again when he remembered the previous instances. First time no one died, though, he thought to himself. What? His head whipped up at the sudden sounds to see Zev gaping at him in disbelief. Fuck, spoken out loud again. Before you say anything, he hastily cut in, this is where I'm going to need that vow of silence, Zev, he insisted stubbornly as he stared the other man down. I'm not saying another word on this subject until you do. I can see why, Zev blurted out, eyes bulging. Holy fucking force, Luke. What the hell have you gotten up to? You found, Zev, he repeated tersely, narrowing his eyes. Either you swear to keep this from those you wouldn't trust yourself, or this conversation topic ends here. Zev stared at him incredulously for another moment before visibly pulling his composure back together again. Straightening his spine, Zev looked him dead in the eyes as he carefully spoke every word. 
I, Zevulon Veers, hereby vow to keep your secret from those I would not trust myself on my word. Truth. Without a doubt. Luke clenched his jaw a couple of times as he turned over those words in the back of his head, straining them like a sieve through the whispers of shifting sands as he listened for the harsh sounds of a lie, just to be sure. But nothing. Just truth. Zev shifted uncomfortably under his gaze. Good enough for you? he asked, sounding on the verge of defensive. Good enough? Luke agreed with a nod. You really meant that? and he couldn't keep the sound of wonder out of those words well enough to make it a statement. Zev shrugged. Yeah, well... He shifted back against the wall, leaning in as he stuck his hands into his pocket. Let's just say I also have a few things to hide. I don't doubt it, he returned. But I'm assuming you want my secrets first? A nod and Luke sighed heavily. All right. I hope your curiosity is worth this, Zev, he said as he heaved himself on top of the counter. Make yourself comfortable, because this is a rough one. When Zev just sunk down against the wall to take a seat on the floor, leaning his head back to look up at Luke with a small smile, Luke knew it was time to begin. And there was a confidence in that thought that he hadn't expected. But in that moment, by something he couldn't name, he just knew that this had been the right choice. Maybe not the only one, but one he could call his without hesitation. All right, he said, exhaling deeply as he landed on his hands. The first thing you have to understand is that my secret is only a single strand in a web made of thousands up to maybe millions. The second thing you have to understand is that none of them but my own are mine to tell. I will tell you what I do and am, but nothing more. Got it? Sev nodded. Got it. Good, all right. He breathed in deeply, reminding himself that he trotted Sev, even if he couldn't name the reason, and that this wasn't Tatooine. The huts couldn't get him here, nor was he worth the effort. The secret is that I was a runner, he revealed, voice speaking with a calm he didn't feel. A runner along the flight paths. Before Zev could get a word in edgewise, he rolled up his sleeves to reveal the thin scars littering his forearms. Dangerous work, he continued. But someone had to do it. And before you ask, a runner on Tatooine is what the huts would call a slave, thief, even though our jobs are closer to that of an accomplice in a prison break. On the flights to freedom, with the ones who guide and guard these soon-to-be ex-slaves through the first part of the flight, jamming or bringing down the transmitter towers to ensure that the transmitter chips don't detonate. Detonate! Zev interrupted, voice ringing out through the kitchen with clear horror. What do you mean, detonate? That's loud. Luke stamped back, partially out of habit and partially out of concern for the clones next door. And I mean exactly that. All slaves in hot territory are implanted with a slave transmitter to prevent them from running. Get out of a certain range or displease your master enough, and the transmitter towers or remotes send a signal to the attached bomb for detonation. If you're lucky, you die instantly, with little pain. If you're unlucky, you bleed out or suffocate in agony. It is possible to survive, technically, but you have to be very, very lucky in the bomb placement, and you're still missing a chunk of your body unless you get serious medical attention. And the only ones who can afford that are usually the masters. Silence. If he didn't know better, Luke would think he was staring at a hollow taken of Zev in the midst of a horrified and shocked reaction, as the other man didn't so much as twitch. When he finally did move, he swallowed roughly a couple of times before letting his head sink down into his hands, cursing softly. Yeah, 
Luke agreed after a moment when he picked up on a soft, What the fuck? Pretty much that. Needless to say, one of the most important parts of being a runner is knowing how to jam the detonation signal correctly. Can't exactly liberate much if your charges are blown to hell. Other duties include guiding your charges to the safe houses where they can get their transmitters out. And to knowing how to do it yourself in a pinch, ideally, and recover, distracting or taking out any overseers if necessary, defending your charges against the more aggressive desert dwellers, and covering any tracks. Pretty much anything to make the escape a successful one, and maybe even more importantly, an unseen one. He shifted his seating to bring his arms back to the forefront. That's where I got these from, he said quietly as he gestured toward the scars. Sometimes an overseer can't be avoided. Sometimes you get caught. Sometimes the most stealthy escape route is done a sheer cliff face with two toddlers on your back. He shrugged at Zev's incredulous look. Lots of things can go wrong, and each one is a risk every time. I've had my cover blown, plans overheard, escape routes discovered, and one time was nearly betrayed by an accomplice. The reason I'm still here to tell you about all that is quick thinking, quicker reflexes, and more luck than you can shake a stick at. He smiled as he recalled the memories that came with each line or patch of silvery scar tissue. If he could only be proud of one thing in his whole life, it would be the fact that of the dozens of flights he'd run, he'd only ever lost nine of his siblings, in the right circles that had even gained him something of a reputation. If you needed a runner for a flight, and the odds were near impossible, you contacted the Skywalker boy on the Lars farm, and with a prayer and some luck, he could pull it off. Desert touched, they'd say, with a wink or an eye roll, but no one could deny the results. He shook his head out of the memory fog and smiled at Zev as his friend continued to stare at him like he couldn't quite believe all of this was still real. There are other jobs a runner performs as well, of course, like running supplies and correspondence into and out of the slave quarters, things like messages from family, friends, or loved ones from elsewhere, usually ones who are either free or had already taken flight, or supplies like medicine, food, and water if the matches were being especially cruel. It's usually how flights were arranged as well. He shrugged as he plunked at his sleeves. Those were usually the easy jobs. It's harder to get caught when you don't have four, six, sometimes even eight terrified charges to keep hidden and safe as well. That's also why they're usually more popular with runners, but my specialty were the flights. Always have been, ever since I started running the flight paths. And if you don't mind me asking, Zev interrupted faintly, when did you start as a runner? Oof, now that was a question. Luke hummed as he closed his eyes. His first flight had been after that one-time job as goons had gotten especially blatant about what their tax raises were really about. He remembered that conversation like it was yesterday, and while those thugs had been talking to his uncle about the credits and water they were owed, they hadn't even been subtle about the fact that they'd been eyeing him up like a prized bantha cub the whole time. He'd felt so... so angry afterwards, as more of their water and credits had been stolen while that scum attempted to make the first freeborn Skywalker into a slave, angry and violated. Not even three days later he'd run his first correspondence along the flight paths, and just two weeks later had been his first flight, just after he'd turned fourteen, he muttered softly. I became a runner at fourteen. What the hell? Zev whispered softly. What the entire fucking hell do you mean? You became what's effectively a slave smuggler at age fourteen. Luke snorted. Just that, Zev. 
He opened his eyes again to the horrified face of his friend. I became a runner at age fourteen. Didn't stop until I got brought aboard the lady. And you can stop looking so horrified, he said as Zeb's face twisted into a rather impressive display of disgust. I don't know how it goes in the Corps, but on Tatooine it's rather normal for kids around that age to start figuring out how they want to apply the skills they learned when they were younger. What kind of skills? Zeb demanded shrilly. What the hell kind of skills do you learn before fourteen that allow you to become a fucking smuggler? Would you stop that? He hissed back. There's no need to be that loud. You just told me you've been in a job that could have killed you since you were even barely a teenager, Zev argued hotly. I should damn well say there's a need. Oh, please, he dismissed. I've been flying Beggar's Canyon and Skyhopper since I was nine. This was hardly more likely to kill me than that. Really, it was almost becoming a pattern with how often Zev would stare at him in silence, and a rather uncomfortable one, too. He knew things were different in the core than on Tatooine, but really... Zev was acting like it was completely unheard of for some to be a runner at fourteen when he knew for a fact that there had been others who started younger than him. Not that he could tell Zev that. Zev closed his eyes and breathed in deeply a couple of times. Okay, he said slowly, stretching out the two syllables. Okay. You apparently were already a pilot at nine and became a runner at fourteen. I can handle that. I can understand that. Luke wondered if Zev knew that he really sounded more like he was trying to convince himself than Luke, but he decided to remain quiet while the other man was obviously working through a few things, even if Luke didn't quite understand what there was to process. They sat in silence for a few more moments as Zev took another few lungfuls of air before speaking again. That still doesn't answer my question, though, he pointed out as he looked Luke dead in the eyes. What the hell kind of skill did you learn before fourteen? that let you easily become a runner at that age. Piloting, for one, he pointed out with a mischievous grin, a grin that earned him a dirty look from Zev before he sobered up. But really, being a runner wasn't that much of a change, Zev. Sure, it was a lot more dangerous in some aspects, but for the most part, it wasn't any different than hunting or shooting or driving, just with higher stakes. That was the wrong thing to say, apparently, as Zev simply pinched the bridge of his nose like he was staving off a headache and held up a hand for a few moments. All right, he said after a couple of seconds, still rubbing the bridge of his nose. All right, let's start there. You learnt to shoot when? Odd question, but he should probably answer it nonetheless. Same age as everyone else, he said, tilting his head in confusion. On my tenth birthday, Uncle Owen took me to Bullseye Wamprats. I wasn't very good at it at first, but that's what the lessons were for. Now I rarely miss. Leaning back against the walls, Zev closed his eyes again. Okay, he said quietly. Age ten. I'm almost scared to ask, but why did you have to learn how to shoot at age ten? What kind of question was that? To know how to defend myself, obviously. And, yeah, maybe the obviously wasn't all that nice to put in, but come on. How else was I going to deal with the Womp Rats, Anubas, and Tusken Raiders? He asked plainly. It's not like I could just ask them to go away. They'd rip me to pieces. Right, Ziv agreed flatly. Of course. He sighed. And the hunting is of a similar stripe, I take it. Pretty much, though obviously hunting with a rifle has to wait until you've learned to shoot, he pointed out, perhaps a bit needlessly, but it didn't seem like Zev knew much of anything about how things worked in the Outer Rim, not even things he thought had been rather obvious. But I've been setting traps and such ever since I was a kid. Uncle Owen would sometimes help me with the trickier bits when I was younger, but for the most part he showed me how a couple of times, then left me to it. And the piloting? Zev asked hotly. That too. Of course, Luke said. Been flying ever since I could see over the dash at seven. 
And okay, maybe he flashed a bit of a cocky grin at that, but he was a damn good pilot, and he knew that for a fact. He was allowed to be a bit proud of that. Right, Zeb muttered. Of course. Silly of me to ask. He heaved out a shuddering breath and rubbed his hands over his face. What the fuck? He whispered hoarsely into his hands. Okay, this was becoming concerning. You okay? Luke asked, sliding off the countertop and down next to Zev. You don't look so good. His response was a harshly barked-out sound that might have been a laugh if it hadn't sounded so utterly pained. I just found out that there's places in the galaxy where death and danger are so commonplace that a fourteen-year-old can have enough survival skills and subterfuge training to essentially become a secret operative running potentially lethal missions for an underground freedom fighters network, and it's considered a pretty normal thing to do. He laughed harshly again, before turning sideways towards Luke with a smile that was closer to a grimace. You tell me. Oh, well, when you put it like that, he shifted uncomfortably as a couple of realizations made themselves known. I... He cleared his throat. I take it this is a bit more uncommon in other parts of the galaxy than it is on Tatooine, he asked hesitantly. Zev stared at him. Yeah, he said, sounding rather at the end of his rope. You could say that. He rubbed a hand over his face. Fucking false, Luke, he muttered. In the rest of the galaxy, it's rather common, or at least normal, for the only ones to know how to use a blaster to be the law enforcers, those that defy the law enforcers, and pretty much no one else aside from a few exceptions. And on the planets where it is more common to have weapons training, the people who have it aren't regularly going to be fucking kids, he explained in a long-suffering tone. And, well, hmm. But how do they defend themselves, then? He had to ask. It couldn't just be that they expected kids to face a raid with nothing but a stick or a knife, right? They don't have to, Zeb told him. That's what the adults are for. On other worlds, adults are the ones expected to protect the kids. So are adults on Tatooine, Luke defended. But if they die or get enslaved, or if the kid gets enslaved, who protects the kid then? Zev sighed deeply as he leaned his head back. Usually there isn't any real threat of enslavement. But if the kid's parents die, extended family members or friends of the government will look after the kid until a more permanent solution can be found. Well, that all sounded reasonable enough, especially the whole usually there isn't any real threat of enslavement bit, but there was one thing he had to know. Okay, but the, the kid getting to those people can take days, if not weeks, he pointed out. How are they supposed to defend themselves in the meantime? While they travel there, don't they need to know how to navigate or drive or, you know, defend themselves on the way there? Zev shot him a look out of the corner of his eyes that would have been horrified if it wasn't so resigned. They... they don't have to, he explained hesitantly. Usually someone else will call the local authorities and they will take care of the kid until they can be brought to their relatives or assigned guardians. They usually systems in place so that, if they work as intended, no child ever has to go it alone for even a moment until they're old enough to decide they want to. And, well, he didn't really know what to make of that. On the one hand, it sounded great. On the other, he couldn't even imagine not being a child of the desert raised on her teachings or trusting the local authorities. But then he supposed that Zev could likely not even begin to imagine a way of being raised that didn't include those systems. What was it that old Ben had sometimes told him during his visits? Ah, yes. It's all a certain point of view, Luke. I guess I can't really imagine it, he eventually decided to say honestly. It just sounds weird to me. Kids not knowing how to take care of themselves if the worst does happen, Zev snorted. Now you know how I feel when you tell me every ten-year-old on Tatooine knows how to plug me with a full clip, he teased. 
I guess I really didn't know how different the core worlds and the outer rim were, or well, are, he amended. Neither did I, Luke confessed. Guess I shouldn't be that surprised, but you're really saying that you never learned to shoot as a kid? I know I did, Sam quickly corrected, but I'd be one of those exceptions. Or with having a career military dad and all, but I would be one of those exceptions with having a career military dad and all, but I certainly didn't learn as young as ten. Dad showed me once I was sixteen, didn't trot in to shoot myself in the foot before then, and a few months later I was sent to Compnor, so my training continued there. He smirked self-deprecatingly at Luke as he watched him from the corner of his eye. Wouldn't be able to pilot so much as a shuttle, though, even if he held a blarted in my head. That's what they all said. But it was that defeated tone Luke didn't like. Time to shake things up a bit. Not much to it, he replied with a grin and a nudge. You just need to know up from down, left from right, and the outrages from the suicidal. Do that, don't crash, and you're pretty much halfway there. Now politics. He pulled a face that made Zev snort. Still haven't got a damn clue as to why no one says what they're really thinking half the time. Oh no, Zev muttered with audible amusement that Luke pretended to ignore. Like yesterday, for example, he continued as if nothing had been said switching tactics to hopefully diffuse some of the shock still surrounding Zev like a miasma. One senator lied to me about the fact that they liked the color of the armor. The color, Zev, he emphasized as the other man's shoulders slowly began to shake with suppressed laughter. Why do you need to lie about liking the color of the fucking armor? He asked, only half exaggerating his confusion and affront. Something that was clearly working as Zev quietly hiccuped out an oh, force as the shaking of the shoulders worsened. Encouraged by the fact that his anecdote was having the desired effect, Luke grinned wider and began throwing a few gestures in. It's one fucking plasticeal plating meant to stop a blaster from making an extra pocket in your abdomen, he continued, mocker front in full force. You don't have to like the color, let alone lie about it, so why would you? I didn't even ask whether or not they liked the color, why would I? It's white. Well, unless white is a color they like, unless they're trying to deliberately draw attention. You don't have to, it's just there. <laughs> fucking false. Zev gasped out as he tried to get his laughter back under control, coughing on occasion as air went down the wrong pipe. Gently clapping Zev on the back between the shoulder blades, Luke still went on with his story. And that's what I said, too, you know, Luke continued, as Zev made a couple of very interesting choking noises while trying to muffle his laughter. I said, it's white. What's so special about that and the look I got, Zev? Like I'd personally insulted their pet, their mother, and their favorite equally bland mid-rim pop band. <laughs> Stop, Zev gasped out. How full was my stomach? You okay? Luke asked, grinning as he continued to pat Zev on the back. Zev coughed another couple of times while shaking his head as he broke down in laughter again. Oh, come on, it wasn't that funny, he complained. The effect probably ruined by the smile he still had. It, it wasn't, Zev agreed between sputters. It really, really wasn't. Of course, he said as he finally got a few deep breaths in, still occasionally bursting into short bouts of giggles. Fuck, I don't know why that was so funny. Probably the shock and stress. Luke offered sympathetically. You were practically standing stiff with it, and humor is usually a good bet to get someone to snap out of it for a moment. That caused Zev's eyes to snap over to him with a considering look. Standing firm, Luke let himself be observed until Zev apparently saw what he was looking for and closed his eyes with a huff. You've done this before, haven't you? On the flight paths. It wasn't a question. He smiled humorlessly, picking at his sleeve. Well, yeah. Escaping a hell you were sometimes born into, usually in the dead of night where every second could spell the death of both you and those you love? He shrugged. Tensions often ran high. 
stress, shock, panic, they can all take their toll, and then people get sloppy and make mistakes. He glanced at where Zev was giving him a considering look and grinned right back at him. Any runner worth their salt will know a couple of ways to defuse the situation and soothe their charges. I found that humor and a steady flow of words often do the trick. His grin turned slightly sheepish. I guess it's become second nature. Out of the second nature, Zev commented bluntly. He sighed. But I appreciate it, and I guess I'll just... He waved vaguely at the air in front of them. It's a long. I can only imagine, Luke confessed. I've never known anything else, but going off what you said, your world must have been very different. Zev barked out a laugh, and Luke noted that for a split second he sounded just like his father. Oh yeah, Zev agreed. I don't think it could have been much more different even if we tried. He rubbed a hand over his face. Force in here, I thought my secrets were dangerous. Oh wait, none of that mysterious shit, Luke protested. You haven't even told me what they are yet, come on. He whined playfully as he prodded Zev in the side. You promised! Shovel, Zev grumbled just as playfully as he pushed right back. You haven't even made your own vow of secrecy yet. Well, you had a point there. All right, then, he agreed. Same vow I asked you to make, or do you have different parameters? Hmm. Zev put on a thoughtful look as he tried to stifle a smile. I don't know. You seem to be rather okay with just discussing any secret you have with a random Compnor trainee. Don't know if I trust that kind of sense of secrecy, he teased. Luke narrowed his eyes as he crossed his arms. Oh, so that was how it was going to be fine. Two could play at that game. Oh, yeah? He challenged. Then let's see what you actually know about the flight paths. You know they exist. Good job. So do the huts. You know that runners exist, but wouldn't be able to name a single one other than me, which granted would be enough to get me killed, but if you think the huts would chase a single runner all the way out here while I'm under the protection of the Empire, you're vastly mistaken. He began ticking his next points off on his fingers. You wouldn't be able to name a single route, safe house, or how many slaves I've run through their flights. Hells, you wouldn't even be able to concretely prove that I am a runner. Unless you thought to record this conversation beforehand with anything other than your own word of it. He stated confidently, knowing he was right. Granted, that might be enough, but it would result only in my own interrogation and death, nothing more. He crossed his arms with a grin that probably bared just a little too many teeth and was a little too hard around the eyes. But he couldn't bring himself to care as he saw Zev's shocked face as the realization set in. Remember what I said, Zev? He yeah, asked softly. Not necessarily gently. My own secrets. Nothing else. Zev gaped at him, opening and closing his mouth in a pretty good imitation of the few Mon Calamari he'd met in his life. He eventually closed his mouth with a click as he slowly shook his head, huffing out a soft laugh. You weren't kidding when you said you knew secrecy and how to keep it, were you? He muttered quietly, running a hand along his face. Holy shit, Luke. He shrugged idly. Like I said, he remarked, keeping his tone carefully bland. I would be dead otherwise. But everyone on the flight paths has to accept the reality that once you become part of it, you've made your pact with the desert and are a part of something larger than you on your own could ever be. You have to be prepared to face your own death and take the secrets you've been entrusted by others to your grave. Zev nodded slowly as he chewed the inside of his cheek, processing the words. And, he began carefully, would my secret be included in those as well? If you wanted it to be, Luke readily agreed. 
personally, I've made all kinds of vows in the past with varying degrees of strictness in maintaining their secrecy. Everything from strict time limits on how long the secrecy has to be maintained, to being allowed to use my own judgment and sharing, to, indeed, taking it to the grave. He sat back and relaxed against the wall. How you want your secret kept is up to you. A realization dawned on Zev's face. That vow you had me make earlier, he added slowly. You had me swear not to tell anyone I wouldn't trust myself. I did. Why? He smiled softly. You're still alive, aren't you? That's a good enough statement of the quality of your judgment right there, and it's not like you're a part of the flight paths. The most you could damage would be me, and I've survived plenty of worse things. Zev swallowed heavily before nodding slightly. The same kind of vow will do, he agreed. You sure? More like he himself had to be sure. Vows were tricky things if you didn't want to be forsworn. But Zev just nodded. Yeah. All right, then, he agreed as he shifted himself until he sat cross-legged on the kitchen floor, back straight and looking Zev right in the eyes. Hand over his heart, he spoke clearly. I, Luke Lars, free-born son of a freed man, whose name and spirit I keep in honor within my heart, hereby swear that I will keep your secret from all but those I would trust myself on my word. A little different from the usual vow he'd make, but Zev was neither a child of the desert nor a Tatooinean. The words that weighed heavily for Luke weren't exactly appropriate here, nor would Zev likely understand their meaning. That didn't matter. He would understand their intent. And understand he did. Zev looked at him for a long time before he found something that made him nod slowly. That'll do. Good, he said sincerely with a smile. I believe you have a story to tell. I believe I do, Zev agreed, sighing deeply. He leant back against the wall and closed his eyes. It's nowhere near as extreme as your own, but it's a secret that could get me killed nonetheless if the wrong people heard. All right, Luke whispered. I understand. Yeah, Zev agreed, cracking an eye open. I believe you do. He sighed again. All right. It'll begin a few months after my 16th birthday. My mum had... She became very, very sick a few weeks afterwards. She'd been on Ryloth for her work and gotten stung by a swarm of blue furs and... Zev rubbed his arms, perhaps in a subconscious gesture, and Luke knew better than to interrupt. The infection nearly killed her the first time around, but even after she'd managed to come out the other side, things still weren't better. The whole ordeal had pretty much wrecked her immune system, and it got bad enough that they... They had to transfer her to a clinic, pretty much indefinitely. She's still there. Zev sighed and rubbed a hand over his face. Dad wasn't okay, or even really coping. He'd officially taken a couple of months of leave to look after both me and Mum, and to help her get settled into, into the clinic, but he was pretty much falling apart himself. Mum and Dad, they... They always said they loved each other like two matching halves, and it showed... He couldn't even really take care of me, so instead I got sent to Compnoir's subadult group a short while later. He swallowed hard. She's getting better, I know she is. I can see it with every visit, but it's still... It's still hard sometimes. When the drugs and treatments are messing with her especially bad, she doesn't even recognize me. Doesn't recognize Dad, either. Zeb made a choked-off sound deep in his throat as he shrugged. It is what it is, though. I have all long since come to realize that it'd take 
pretty much a miracle to completely cure her. May the suns and moons watch over her, Luke murmured softly, the well-worn prayer rolling easily off his tongue, tasting of memories. Zev shot him a sad but grateful smile. Yeah, may they. His breath shuddered on the next words as he continued. Anyway, as you can probably imagine, I wasn't doing too well either, but that's where I met my first squad. Belton, Marlock, Rolf, Lillian, and Gwen. He offed out a soft laugh. Force everything about the subadult group sucked. The drills, the stupid Empire song, the endless propaganda. But those guys made me feel alive and at home. They made me laugh. Dragged me out of my room and all I wanted to do was just stare at the ceiling and just stuck by me. And Sans Luke could already tell where this was going, but he hoped by all the suns and moons that he was wrong. Anyway, Zev continued, clearly shaking himself out of a set of memories. Those guys were my rock for a long time. And the six of us shared a dormitory. It's also where I first discovered what slavery really meant, he confessed quietly. And I don't know what you're thinking, how could I not know? But I'd never really seen it before. Mum had told me about it and what it meant, but I... Hey, Luke interrupted, nudging Zev in the side. I don't blame you, and you don't have to justify yourself to me. He gave a meaningful look at his friend when Zev glanced at him from the corner of his eye. Really, he assured. Just because you didn't know then doesn't mean you don't know now, he nudged to Zev gently. We're all just trying to learn as much as we can before we die, Zev, and until you're dead, there's no such thing as being too late to learn. You learned about slavery, you decided it was wrong, and now you want to do something about it. That's enough. Zev smiled weakly at him. Right. He cleared his throat. Anyway, it's at the Imperial Academy that I first really encountered slavery. They, they had these teachers for various subjects, brilliant people, experts in what they taught, but well, he trailed off uncomfortably. But they were slaves, Luke finished easily. Yeah. Zev confirmed, and I was shocked the first time I realized that. I thought that they were just your regular teachers before then, employees with pay. To learn that they were literally forbidden to leave the facility because they were classified as property it was one of the few times I think I've actually become sick from words alone. He breathed out a shuddering breath. My squad agreed with me. None of us had ever really known what slavery meant before then, so we began to research it, and the more we researched, the angrier we got. All those laws and regulations and, and propaganda to make it all seem okay and normal and... Zev cut himself off as he took a few deep breaths. Needless to say, he continued, we couldn't and didn't exactly keep quiet on it. But none of us had any idea of what kind of rancor then we just entered. Luke purred his lips as the scene began to play itself out in his mind's eye. The masters don't exactly take well to criticism, he muttered in quiet agreement. Zev snorted out a harsh, bitter sound. Yeah, I know that now. But none of us knew it back then, so we asked questions. Pointed questions. And did research, objected to things being taught in class that we knew to be false, and we... We gained attention. Unwanted attention, and... One day we went too far. Luke sucked in a breath. He wasn't wrong. Sons and fucking sand, he wasn't wrong. Zev's voice wavered, but he forged on through his story. We... We got a science together in a group project. Every squad did. 
we all had to make a presentation on one aspect of the Empire, and we, we chose slavery. And we were honest about it. He sucked in a deep breath, and Luke's heart nearly broke at the sole deep regret on Zeph's face. I... We... He swallowed deeply. We were ordered to the on-campus detention facility in the middle of the night, all of us. And we were each locked in a separate cell. They pulled us out for questioning. And when they brought me out, they still... They still had Rolf in the room, and he... I'd beat him up, that was clear. I had to drag him, that's how groggy and punch-drunk he was, and they... I... Zev sucked in a shuddering breath, and that was it. He needed someone. And damn it, Luke couldn't would be that someone. He slowly shifted himself over towards Zev, mindful of any rejection cues his new friend might give, but when none came, he pressed himself to Zev's side and wrapped an arm around him in a half-hug silently offering support as he held the other man tight. The reaction was near instant, as Zev's own hand pressed over his own in a flash, keeping it pinned there as if afraid he'd take it away, like hell he would, but Zev didn't know that. They sat in silence for a few moments as Zev peed his composure back together, and when he did, his voice sounded a lot surer of himself, even if his hands didn't let Luke's go. They didn't touch me, he stated in a matter-of-fact tone. But I still don't know if that was because I was a general's son, or because I was already scared enough that they didn't feel the need to. Most likely I was the main target all along, or they never wanted any information to begin with. Rolf certainly couldn't answer any questions in his state. I don't know how long everything lasted, but by the time I was let go from custody, my father had had the time to make the necessary calls and get me released, but it was... It was the last time I saw any of them. He sucked in another shuddering breath and Luke held him close. Losing people always hurt, whether they were family or family. And from the feeling of Zev's distress heavy and thick in the air, they may not have been family sworn over blood, water, and sand, but they were obviously family nonetheless. I... I know Moloch and Lillian got out, Zev managed to force out. I don't know where they are. Or how they're doing. But I know there are. The others I... I never could get confirmed one way or another, and they might not... Might not... <laughs> might not even be alive. <laughs> that was the straw that broke the banther's back. Crying. Luke had been taught when he was young it was a waste of water. So he'd better know what he was crying for and whether or not it was worth it. There'd always been one exception, though. When you were grieving your family and family, the water was never wasted. It was an offering. An offering to the desert, her sons, and her moons, so that your loved ones may rest amongst them free and at peace. Zev, in all likelihood, didn't know those rites, and maybe even had his own religion he followed. But his aunt had always said that souls didn't have to be of the desert for her to watch over them, and it felt anathema to who and what he was, not to pray for a lost soul, now that he knew they existed. 
So he sat silently as the drops began to flow down his friend's face, dripping first onto Zev's own clothes, and then onto his own. As his friend buried his head against him when Luke wrapped his other arm around him, resting his chin on top of Zev's head. He sat silently, as Zev made his offering of grief and loss. He silently recited the prayers for the lost and deceased in the privacy of his own mind, praying that wherever Zev's family was, the desert's winds would find them and guide them home. They sat silently on the kitchen floor, the only sound that broke through the silence the quiet sobs Zev hiccuped out as he craved, properly, and perhaps for the first time, for his family, scattered to the stars if not worlds beyond the pale. And in that silence, Luke finished his prayers, thanked the desert, and slowly added his own offering to Zev's well of tears and grief. He tightened his grip around his friend, opened his mouth, and on the floor of the kitchen, light years away from home, he let the first few notes of an ancient song fall from his lips. A song for a funeral, a hymn for the dead, a lament for the lost, a wayfinder's requiem, sung when the way that needed to be found was dark and deep. Sung in the oldest tongue the desert and her children knew. Oh, desert winds, oh, moon-loved light, he began softly, rubbing Zeb's back out of a half-remembered memory from when Uncle Owen had done the same for him, after he'd come home submerged in grief, having had his first loss during a flight. We ask you to hear us at the edge of your night. Though we are far apart, our love for them still shines. We have them in our heart. We keep them in our lives. The long notes of the song rumbled deep through his throat, chest and being as he offered them to the air. Oh, desert winds, he lamented, oh, moon-loved light, we ask you to hear us, the lost are out of sight. Slowly, Zev's sobs started to wind down, encouraged. Luke continued his own offering. No chain that we can break, no name that we forget, no faith that they can shake, no we do not regret, oh desert winds, oh moon-loved light. We ask you to hear us, lend us your mind. The dead can return, the lost we can bring back. Their freedom they have earned, 
of freedom they still lie. Oh, desert winds, oh, moon love light, we ask you to hear us, this wrong must be right. He let his volume slowly rise, the notes softly reverberating off of the plentiful mirror-plated copper and crystal within the kitchen's architecture. Loved were our lost ones, loved they still are. Missed were our past ones, missed they still are. Oh, desert winds, oh, moon loved light, we ask you to hear us. Save them from this plight. Zev's sobs had become near completely stilled, save for the occasional hiccup. Neither of them made a move yet to let go, and Luke didn't comment on how Zev pressed even closer to him, awkward though the angle must be for the other man who usually stood nearly a head taller than Luke. Oh, winds to bring them home, a light to gather way. A song for their travels, a home where they can stay. Oh, desert winds, oh, moon-loved light, we ask you to hear us, we ask you to guide. Was it just him, or did the air feel heavier with each note he sung? Not in an unpleasant way, the weight of a warm blanket, or that of a sleeping loth cat. He could swear he even heard its purr. Or was it a hum? This is our offering. This is our grief. In death we ask the freedom. For the lost we ask relief. Oh, desert winds, oh, moon-loved light. Luke sang the last refrain with as much sincerity and passion as he could manage, hoping it would be enough to seal the song, the hymn, really, from mere words into a prayer. We ask you to hear us. At the edge of your night. The words fell from his lips, and the last hum left his throat. Silence reigned in the kitchen once more, but the grief, the pain, had all dissolved. No, Luke thought suddenly as he felt the air more thoroughly. Not dissolved. Shared. Released. They sat there for a moment longer, until Zev began to subtly squirm within his grip, prompting Luke to slowly release him, shifting a bit to grant his friend his personal space back. Luke busied himself with straightening his clothes for a tick while Zev subtly wiped away the last couple of tears. Thanks, Zev rasped. 
voice still rough with tears and muted grief. Sorry if it, you know. He gestured vaguely at the wet splotches all over Luke's shirt. Magnumessa things. I don't mind, he admitted. But are you feeling better? Yeah, Ziv admitted in turn with a sniff. Yeah, I am. Fuck, I needed that. And thanks for that, another vague gesture. The song, what was that, by the way? It sounded beautiful. Many things, Luke answered with a shrug. It's most commonly sung at funerals, but it's more than just that. It's multi-purpose in a way. A hymn for the dead. A beacon for the lost. And if you sing with enough passion and sincerity, it may be transformed from just a simple song to a powerful prayer with the last notes. He bashfully rubbed the back of his neck as he realized how strange it must all sound to Zev. It's most powerful when offered in concert with genuine grief and loss. To call upon the... He broke himself off, swallowing back the words desert and moons and turning them over for something more acceptable, less steeped in vows of secrecy and faith. To call upon the spirits we worship, he tried instead, to guide the dead and the lost to freedom, to rest and back home again. I thought it fit, I supposed, and it felt strange not to do it, against my nature in a way. Zav gave him a long, indecipherable look, before slowly nodding. I... Thank you. I never really had a religion I knew or spiritual thing I could or wanted to follow, but that that song or hymn or whatever you want to call it, it sounded real and powerful. So thank you. And I'm sure that if, if the others were here, they'd thank you too. You don't have to talk more about them if it's too much. Look offered quietly. But if you want to continue, my vow holds, and I'm willing to listen. Zev honestly looked torn at those words for a moment before he sighed deeply, running a hand over his tear-stained face and through his hair. No, he said resolutely. No, I think I need to talk about this, especially to you. I've kept this quiet for long enough, and you might actually be able to do something useful with it, or at least get a warning out of it, he snorted suddenly. It's not even the secret that could get me killed, just what led up to it, but I, I think it... He shrugged. I think it helps explain. All right, Luke agreed, shifting back against the wall. Whenever you're ready. Zeph nodded, shuffling back until he was mirroring Luke's posture. Out of comfort or a want for companionship, Luke didn't know and he didn't ask, merely waited as Zeph took a few deep steadying breaths before he continued his story. Like I said, he began quietly, I never saw any of them again after that night, and I only know that Marlock and Lillian got out. Balton, Rolf, and Gwen, I never heard from again, but my guess would be that it got sent to, to the re-education branch of Comnor, and either got released or expired. Maybe they're still even in custody, who knows? He laughed humorlessly. That's not even a rhetorical question. I confided quietly. After that incident, instead of letting myself get scared off, I 
fell deeper down the rabbit hole of unraveling the true state of the empire. I made acquaintances with a few decent slicers to see if I could figure out what had happened to my friends, but the trail went cold. So immediately it might as well not have existed. There were no records of their arrest, no records of their detention or transfer, and as far as both the Empire and Compton are concerned, they never even attended the school. That alone disappeared from it. He shrugged his shoulders in a helpless gesture. They were just gone. Ghosts in a system. I doubt that parents even got so much as a letter to explain what had happened, since that would require admitting on paper that they even existed. He sighed. I got lucky. Zev spat the word out with a venom that Luke almost expected to burn the very air used to speak it, due to the fact that I carry the last name Veers, and that my dad was a general with enough prestige and political weight behind him to be a threat. They couldn't just make me disappear. So instead I got off with a warning, and not even an arrest on my record to show for it. As far as the Empire's concerned, that incident never even happened. I got transferred away to another facility shortly afterward for completely unrelated reasons, he finished bitterly. You scared them, Luke stated easily. We were six students at the Imperial Academy who naively thought they could make a difference, Zev shot back. Not even a full part of Compnor, just the stupid farce that is the sub-adult group. Then why did they crack down so hard if you were just students? Then why did they fear you enough to consider you a threat? Luke pointed out, getting a stunned look from Zev. He chuckled mirthlessly. That's always the first lie the masters tell, he murmured as he flashed a crooked grin. They'll tell you that you are harmless, powerless, insignificant, but if that were true, why would they move against you at all? They wouldn't. Not if you were truly nothing to fear. A grain of sand you may be in their eyes, Zev, he stated firmly. But you found other grains, and together you whipped up a sandstorm. It's why they scattered you. They feared what you could do together. Zev looked at him for a long moment, holding his gaze until he averted his own with a shake of his head. They succeeded, he declared bleakly. I never tried something like that again. You learned what would bring punishment, figured out a bit more of the rules that dictate this battle, and survived. They only would have succeeded if you truly gave up, but here you are, he said nudging Zeb playfully in the side, telling me this story in secret where the Empire can't touch us. That isn't defeat. That's the act of a fighter who suffered a crushing blow, learned from it, and came back with new tactics that made him stronger. He smiled at Zev's doubtful look, pouring the fierce pride he felt into it. If you say so, Zeb muttered doubtfully, but Luke could feel the sparks of hope gathered under it like rain on his skin, and knew his words had hit their mark. Other way, Seth continued on, shaking off the previous topic, that's what started me on my more serious transgressions. I realized that day that the only thing that had spared me the same fate as the others was my dad's name. If he had been just a bit more of a nobody, I could have been the bloody body they'd used to scare Marlock or Lillian into submission. He propped up his knees and rested his head on them, Instead, all I got was a scolding from my dad under the comm, and a warning not to do it again. I doubt Dad even knows what really happened that day. I certainly never told him. And Compton, sure as hell didn't either. And Mum, he sighed. She's got her own battles to fight. I'm not going to add to that. And yeah, Luke, get that. 
Uncle Owen certainly wasn't the one he told first about any mishaps during his flights, either. Not that he really needed to, since his uncle almost seemed to have a sixth sense for spotting fresh bandages peeking out from under clothes or winces whenever he pulled a bit too hard on some fresh stitches. Still, he knew it was because his uncle cared. He wondered if Zev knew the same. Zev, meanwhile, carried on with his story, oblivious to Luke's musings. All the way, he continued, I got put in the new facility on a different planet, but I knew it would be watched from then on, so I turned it down. Only got into debates with other students on occasion, and I know when they brought up the topic and threw myself into my studies. He grinned viciously. Specifically politics and law. Joined a few less than legal online protest groups as well under a couple of pseudonyms where I met those slices I mentioned earlier. And I am still a member, by the way. Helped organize a couple of slice arrests that Compnor and the ISB definitely want our heights full, but otherwise, my plan was to pray to the fucking gods or whatever would listen that I could for once convince my dad to do what I want and let me leave Compnor so I could actually hope to start making something of a difference. He smiled self-deprecatingly at Luke while he ratted back. Like I said, far less flashy than the hellfire you managed to pull out of your back pocket. Luke blurted out easily. If the Empire were to kill you for speaking out, you'd be just as dead as I would be if the Hutts were to execute me for having been a runner. We all fight in our own ways. And you know lost it as well as I do. He finished with Steely's determination as he stared Zev down. Blinking at him in befuddlement, Zev nodded slowly. Why, when you put it that way, he muttered. You really do have a straightforward way of looking at things, don't you? Yep, he confirmed happily. But enough of that. Now we have to ask ourselves a few million credit questions. We do, Zev interrupted. We do, he stated firmly. Starting with this one, he cocked his head as he observed Zev closely. You don't like working with Kampnor. He got a harsh bark of amusement for his efforts as Zev burst out into deep peals of laughter that sounded a lot like his father's. False, no. Zev worked out as his shoulders shook with his snickering. I hate it more than anything, and if it were up to me, I would have quit the whole business years ago. Give me a soulless desk job any day if it means I'm not actively working to oppress people. Well, Luke thought as he blinked in amusement, this could be interesting. So why haven't you? he asked. Zev abruptly stopped chuckling as his brief merriment vanished like froth in the sun. Because of my dad, he explained in a weary tone. He wants to keep me enrolled in Contenor, and has lately been pushing me to enroll in the officer training programs as well. Mostly so I'm eligible to join Comp Force. He wants me to toughen up. But if I had to guess, he just wants to get me out of politics and into the more don't-think-obey mindset of the military. And it's really, really hard to change his mind on a good day, but nearly impossible on this. So in other words, Luke began slowly as an idea began to form in his mind, you need someone to offer you a job even your father wouldn't be able to deny is a good idea, Zev scoffed. Pretty much, but not for like that's going to come for me since all talent-hunting programs in the sub-adult groups are controlled by Compnor itself. And while I have pretty damn good marks on my actual studies and comprehension tests, I score abysmal when it comes to any category that's beyond parroting propaganda. He pulled a face that had Luke stifle a snort, like my political reliability scores which means that the top spots on any talent lists that companies actually look at are basically unattainable for me. I see, Luke muttered as he crossed his arms. It could work. Zev, he asked slowly, you said you were studying politics and law, right? How well would you say you comprehend the politics of, say, the Senate? 
especially the more internal kind. Zev blinked. Pretty damn well, I would say. I could tell you everything from the latest power shifts to the reasons for the latest laws they've drafted and passed to the Emperor. He narrowed his eyes in suspicion. Why? One more thing, Luke deflected, then I'll tell you. Can you keep something of an orderly agenda? What the hell does that have to do with anything? asked Zev, who was now definitely looking thoroughly lost. Quite a bit, Luke answered cryptically. Please say that you do? I can, Zev confirmed. Though what's excellent, Luke exclaimed happily as he clapped his hands together. Then I have a plan, if you want to hear it. Fuck, Zev asked weakly, before clearing his throat and straightening up. What kind of plan? The kind that gets you out of Compnor and into a job I think even your father would be somewhat okay with, Luke explained, grinning ear to ear. Zev blinked, blinked again, and then shifted into a fully attentive posture. I'm listening, he said, somewhat redundantly as he looked straight at Luke. Here's the thing, Luke said as he crossed his arms again, rhythmically tapping his finger on his bicep. I've been asked by Lord Vader to start looking for a secretary. After some serious shenanigans happened with my schedule, technically I'm only supposed to be considering candidates so far, but I doubt he'd have much issue with me taking initiative. Zev snorted loudly at that, immediately slapping a hand over his mouth and waving Luke off when he shot him a questioning look. Fine, fine, it's, it's fine. Lie. But it didn't sound like a dire one, so we let it slide. Anyway, he told me something else as well, he admitted as he thought back to the conversation of yesterday, that a good secretary, or a private aide as he said, could also be an advisor. He shot Zev a wry look. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, Zev, but I'm rather new to this all, he professed. Tone dry as dust. Chuckling, Zev shook his head. No fucking shit, he muttered. But you're not saying what I think you're saying, right? But you're not saying what I think you're saying, right? Oh, yes, he was. Zev, he said seriously, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're both trapped and in need of a runner. Well, in the meantime, I'm in need of someone who can tell me what the fuck's going on around me and when I'm about to do something monumentally stupid. If you're willing, I think we could get you a job as my secretary. At least until he get bored of it or find something better, I'm sure. Well, he must have said something especially stupid, because Zev was staring at him like he'd just grown a second head. You're telling me, he began slowly, that you're offering me, the Comptnor trainee not even out of the academy yet, and the guy who just confessed minor treason to you, a job as your private secretary. Okay, maybe something a bit more stupid than he'd anticipated. Look, I know it's probably not what you're looking for, he defended awkwardly. But I think it's a solid plan to get you out of Compnor, and you'll at least have something to do while you look for another job. Are you kidding me? Seth yelled, eyes wide and a disbelieving smile spreading on his face. Fuck yes, I'll take that job! What are the requirements? What am I expected to do? What can I sign? He rattled off rapidly, nearly glowing with elation and excitement before his expression abruptly crashed into concern. Oh, hell, he swore. Do I need some kind of specialized degree? I probably do, don't I? Shit, and I haven't taken any kind of classes on it either. Don't I do have those administration classes? I think those would count. Fuck, I have to check, and if I can't switch some of my classes around, maybe if I drop the ones on geopolitical history in the mid-rim... Whoa, then... easy, Zev. Luke attempted to calm down his friend as he tried to parse what had just been rattled off at speeds he hadn't heard since he and Biggs had been experimenting with engine enhancements and had both accidentally gotten a lung full of helium, after which they both attempted to say the greatest number of words as fast as possible, naturally. Anyway, back to Zev, who looked like he was performing increasingly complicated mental gymnastics over problems Luke was pretty sure he was blowing away out of proportion. Look, he began, switching his tone to something steady and sure. Zev, I'll readily admit I'm the first person who probably should have some sort of degree, but I don't, and I can bite us fine. You'll be fine. So deep breaths. 
he said as he deliberately made his own breathing louder and slower, getting Zev to instinctively match his to his own. There you go, he muttered when Zev's breathing had reached less worrying levels. I take it this means you're accepting the offer? he asked, just to be sure. Zev grinned weakly but widely. If you can somehow convince everyone that you're serious about taking on a barely trained rookie from the Imperial Academy, then yes, absolutely. Luke blew a raspberry and smirked at the start of laugh it earned him from Zev. Convince from Vince, he waved off irreverently. The only one who has to agree is Lord Vader, and he hired me to be the head engineer of his flagship. If he can't stand someone with infinitely more formal education as my secretary, I'll call him out on it myself. In fact, he trailed off as he got an idea. You absolutely sure you're taking the job? Don't need time to think on it? Double-checking never hurt after all, but Zev shook his head. I'm pretty time sure about the job, and he cut himself off, eyes suddenly narrowing in suspicion. Why? What are you planning? No time like the present, right? Luke asked as he fished out his military-issued comm, opening the text menu and selecting the oldest and longest-running conversation on it. Let's ask him now. Wait, what? Zev yelled, but Luke was already typing. Head Engineer Luke Lars. Found my new secretary? <laughs> and sent, he told Zev happily. Now we just wait for the response. Did, did you just... Zev stammered out. Did you just text Darth Vader? Before Luke could open his mouth to ask how else Zev expected him to contact Vader within a decent time frame, his calm buzzed with an incoming message and looking down revealed it to be exactly who he suspected it to be. Supreme Commander Darth Vader. I distinctly remember instructing you that you only needed to start considering, little one, and not that you should already have made your decision. Luke snorted as he read Vader's response, not even needing to see or hear the man to know he was being teased. Zev shot him a look of the utmost concern and bafflement, but he held up his hands to forestall any interruptions as he began texting back. Head Engineer Luke Lars. I know, but I thought I'd take the initiative and get started early. And now I found someone. The next message came in much sooner and was much briefer. Supreme Commander Darth Vader. And who might that be? He glanced up at Zev, who stared transfixed at the comm in his hands. No going back after this. You absolutely sure about this, Zev? He asked. Backing out will be a lot more difficult after we get the process started. Zev seemed to startle out of some kind of trance, flinching hard enough that Luke almost thought he must have pulled something and staring up at him with wide eyes before he registered the question. What followed looked to be a brief but fierce inner battle before he breathed deeply and looked back up again. Yeah, I am, was all he said, but it was all Luke needed. He gave a brief nod before resuming his conversation with Vader. Head Engineer Luke Lars. Zevulon Veers. The response was immediate. Supreme Commander Darth Vader. General Veers's son. Head Engineer Luke Lars. That's the one, yeah? <laughs> Supreme Commander Darth Vader. I see. Has he agreed to this? Is he aware of the responsibilities? Head Engineer Luke Lars. More than I am, I would say. <laughs> but yeah, he's agreed to it. Supreme Commander Darth Vader. Then we shall discuss. Let us meet at my office. We will resume this conversation in person. Bring young Veers along with you. Head Engineer Luke Lars. On our way. <laughs> well, that was that, he supposed. Now to convince Vader that this was actually the good idea that it undoubtedly was. Well, Zev snapped him out of his thoughts. What do you say? He smiled brightly at his friend. He's agreed to discuss it. We're expected at his office to discuss it in person so we can hash it out, he said as he put his comm back into his pocket. Okay, Zev agreed slowly. So when are we expected? He smiled even brighter. Right now. A beat of silence passed as Zev froze. 
his mind visibly struggling to process the information, with several fuses likely blowing in the process, and he amused himself by imagining some kind of show tune playing over it all. He nearly heard it when some process went ding inside Zem's head, and his whole face abruptly switched over to horror. His head swiveled around to face Luke as his eyes bulged out. "'What do you mean, right now?' he whispered hoarsely. "'Exactly that,' he said as he grabbed his friend's arm, never losing his grin. "'Let's go get the Von in and go get you that job.' With that, he vaulted to his feet and dragged Zev up with him. "'Whoa!' Zev yelped. "'Wait, fuck, hold on!' He yanked his sleeve out of Luke's grasp as he wheeled Luke around to face him, wild-eyed. "'Luke!' he said slowly with a desperate edge to his voice. "'Please, for the love of the force, tell me you didn't just get me a job interview with a Darth Vader in the next couple of fucking minutes that I'm in no way prepared to face!' "'You are, though,' Luke countered. "'Just tell him what you told me if he asks,' and he paused as a thought occurred to him, without the minor treason bits, preferably, but the whole understanding politics and being able to keep a schedule part should be fine. Let me do the rest.' He explained happily. Seriously, though, he said as Zev shot him a look that conveyed perfectly how highly dubious he was of that. He's a lot less scary than you think he is. It'll be fine. Zev heaved a deep sigh of resignation, or perhaps exasperation, hung his head and stuck his arm out again to let Luke regain his grip on his sleeve, resuming his act of dragging Zev towards the door. It'll be fine, he says. Luke heard muttered from behind him. Darth fucking Vader is a lot less scary than you think, he says. Fuck, I'm gonna fucking die. Why am I allowing this to happen? Deliberately ignoring the dramatics of his friend behind him with an eye roll, Luke grinned as he hit the control pad of the kitchen door, barely waiting for it to slide open before dragging Zev through. The seven clones waiting for them in the living room snapped their heads up with such synchronicity that Luke had to wonder for a split second if they'd practiced it before dismissing the thought. Pulling a reluctant Zev up next to him, he clapped a hand onto his shoulder, the angle somewhat awkward due to the fact that Zev easily stood a head taller than him. "'Gentlemen!' he called out with exactly as much enthusiasm as he felt beaming wide. I have good news and bad news. First, the good. Meet the man who's hopefully going to become my secretary, Zev. No shit, Boomer called back. You seriously decided that, just like that? Uh, sir, he hastily tacked on at the end after a glare from Apo. Nope, he replied happily. Zev's on track to get the job. Huh, Volt muttered. Congrats, kid, I guess. Wait, Slash chimed in. If that's the good news, what's the bad news? He asked, a hint of fear creeping in. So I swear, if you're planning on deliberately putting yourself in arm's way, Kicks cut in, tone dangerous in a way that reminded Luke of Aunt Beru whenever he needed stitches after a flight or crash. I wish, Zev grumbled out, cutting off whatever terrible thing Kicks no doubt was prepared to do to prevent anything he classified as harm occurring. It's so much worse. Chin up, Zev, Luke said as he glanced sideways. You're making this out to be much more dramatic than it really is a statement that earned him an impressive raised eyebrow that flawlessly spelled out just how hard Zev was internally calling bullshit, but nothing else. Anyway, he said as he turned back towards the clones, the bad news is more for you guys than for us, because I calmed Lord Vader and he's expecting us to discuss Zev's hiring, as in expecting us right now, he clarified with a toothy smirk as the words sunk in with dawning realization on their targets. Yep, he confirmed happily, smirk widening into a mischievous grin once more. Suit up. Groans met his statement with some decidedly uncomplimentary grumbling thrown in there for good measure, but the troopers heaved themselves up from where they were seated, thankfully already mostly in their armor due to their earlier attempts at intimidating Zev. Watching the clones move to get ready, Luke began to untie the top half of his overall form where he bound it around his waist. Shrugging on the grayish-black work uniform, he turned towards a still and silent Zev, who he noted was looking a bit pale in the face. "'You okay?' he muttered quietly. "'Yeah.' Zev answered just as quietly. It's just 
It's still sinking in right now. Fools, how is this all going so fast? Luke shrugged, tucking up the front zipper and smoothing out some of the worst creases. I find that life usually does, he replied easily. Hell, I got hired in three days flat. I sent in the signed contract, got informed to pack my bags, and three days later, Lord Vader showed up in a shuttle to bring me aboard. It's just how job postings work aboard the lady. Zev gave him an odd look. Somehow I doubt it, he muttered out. I get the feeling that it's mostly how job postings work around you. And, well, there may be more truth to that than he entirely wanted to admit, Luke conceded. But before I could say anything to that effect, the troopers marched back in, armored up and looking ready for anything. Which only left the two of them, and Luke was feeling ready to take on the world to get his friend, his charge at the moment, this job, and get him out of the place he hated. Zev, though. You ready for this? He asked softly. Zev chewed the inside of his cheek but nodded firmly, shooting Luke a small smile. Ready as I'll ever be. He smiled back. Let's go, then. We've got a flight to run. The text of this story is available on AO3. Theme music written by Jack Donkadai, Sputnik, and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch with me using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you will consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.